everybody. And then we're going to go ahead and begin the service. I know there will probably be a few more. Come in a little bit later. We're going to remain the time. Begin our service. If you're able, we'll ask for a stand with us. This is the presence of the Lord in our midst. We're grateful again. We'll be back in your house, in your presence. We stand upon the promise that in your presence there's fullness of joy that your right hand pleasures for the Lord. That where two or three of us would gather together in your name, the Lord, you have chosen to be in our midst tonight. God, if you're here, you're worthy of all of our praise, all of our glory, all of our honor we give to you. We ask you tonight if you'll just come. God, you'll look upon every need represented in this house, those of God sick in body in the hospitals or homebound that aren't able to be with us, oh God, I pray that you'll go to them, you'll touch them, meet every need, oh God, under the sound of our voice, let all we say and do, God, magnify your name, we ask it together, in Christ's name.
sing that chorus one more time.
Bible said, Paul speaking unto Timothy, he said, a steward must be found faithful in all things. A steward is somebody you put over your business. Amen. I want to be a good steward of everything that's God's. Above all that's said or done, I want to be faithful. Let's sing page 150, the dearest friend I've ever had. section it's so uh, pinned into the comments and uh, if you can't be here physically be a part of our camp meeting amen in certain ways you can be very much a part every offering this week is going to these men of God and also to help us cover the cost uh, of our camp meeting and we appreciate you we love you thank you for your faithfulness and giving 
Amen. We thank. Man, wasn't the message this morning powerful? Yes, sir. I'm telling you, it spoke to my heart in so many ways. I, I was making mental notes, but I, I said, I'm going to go back and listen to that one a few times and uh, make real notes because God spoke some things to my heart uh, from the first point right on through. And uh, I appreciate Brother Stephen, his burden, his life, his ministry. I know he's going to bless us again tonight. Let's bless the man of God as we give tonight. The Lord will richly bless you. Return for it. Ask Brother Homer if he will to ask the Lord to bless him.
you can remember how lost you were, you ought to be able to easily thank God, testify of it, and live for it for how saved you are to be. Amen. Maybe I'm just a little stirred up. That's my best friend's wife got a got a report that she got, and uh, I know that he's coming preaching with a burden. And I thought, you know, a lot of people just say, hey, man, we got the weight of the world stacked on us. I'm just going to, I'm just going to stay and find somebody else to preach at me. But not him. You, you couldn't make him stay home. He feels like if he did, it would take away from some degree of faithfulness and it might hinder his prayer. I wouldn't think that at all, but uh, that's just a, man or a man that's going to be behind this pulpit. And the morning speaker, it was uh, several years ago now, his wife walked away and left him. Said she didn't want to, to be a pastor's wife anymore, didn't want the ministry, and was just done with it all. And uh, we found out later some other things as well that walked away from it. And uh, he stayed right there in that pulpit right there in that church and continue to serve and continue to preach and God's kept him and God's kept his girls and continue to stay there and serve with him and uh, he's going to be our morning speaker so you talk about the, the caliber of men we're going to be sitting under I wouldn't say this to you if uh, he hadn't already announced it to the church but uh, one of my other best friends brother uh, JP, uh, he announced to his church that uh, Sister McNay's left him. And, uh, their marriage is going to be up 23 years of ministry there at the State the Church of God. Walk away from it. I don't want to be a pastor's wife. I don't want to serve in any capacity the church anymore. I'm done. And uh, pack up a U-Haul and move out. And uh, what? What is there? What is there left to go back to if you're born again? I mean, if you really believe that Jesus is about to come, are you going to quit before you cross the finish line? I mean, we're we're stretching now. If you, if you watch a, a a runner when they get close to the finish line, they're not lagging; they're stretching. I mean, it's, it's a final thrust and a push. To get a, now's our time to stretch. I mean, we ought to serve now more than we ever have. We ought to pray now more than we've ever prayed. Worship with a renewed passion and energy and joy than we ever have before. We ought to be worshiping like new converts right now because we're about to go home. And I, I'm telling you, I, I'm bewildered beating my head against the wall, so to speak, when I, when I see some of what I see, not just, you know, sitting on the pew, but in the ministry, but I've I, I renewed in my heart, God, if I can't be anything, I can be faithful. Yes, Lord. Yes. That's the very least of the least that I can do, is be faithful to you, and worship you, and praise you, and magnify your name. Amen. I feel the presence of the Lord in this house tonight. Hallelujah.
We're going to let Brother Stephen come. Before he does, somebody want to testify, God be good to you. First hymn, if we die, fight. It's no disgrace. Amen. I, I made up my mind. I want to. I, I may go out before the rapture takes place, but I'm gonna go out serving, living, loving, fighting. Amen. <laughs> Feel the Lord in the house. Amen. Somebody else. Lady, I love the Lord tonight. I was listening to a preacher preach. I guess it was probably about a week or a week and a half ago. And he was talking to his congregation, and in the message, he brought up of what to do if you miss the rapture. And he was telling and preaching to his congregation, I was sharing it to it in, in Sunday school class this morning, about how to live your life after the rapture and how you can still go to heaven. I thought to myself, dear God, what a great opportunity to preach, to get born again, to get saved, to make it out on the first train. I'm thankful to be in a church that's rooted and grounded. Thank God for good, sound, strong doctrine. Yes. Amen. To not only save your soul, but it'll get you all the way to heaven. You don't have to go through the tribulation. Right. As our preacher and brother said, I'm looking for Jesus to come. I'm not Amen. looking for a sign. I'm listening for the sound tonight. Yes. 
Amen. Again, in ministry. Yeah. If I knew you was preaching that, Brother Corey, I'd tell you, just tell them to come after the rapture. You'll be able to explain all that to them after, <laughs> after it's over with. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I'm looking for Jesus to come. The Bible says on them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. So good to have the Mullins family with us this morning. They're back again tonight. He's going to be preaching uh, later this week at a camp meeting up near Daytona. So uh, I'm glad they were able to come be with us this weekend. We kind of planned it that way. I'm, whenever I get an evangelist, if they're on this side of the country, and they ask an evangelist to come to this side of the country to preach one service, if he didn't have nothing else but I'd feel pretty bad about it because uh, gas is not getting any cheaper, is it? So, but uh, I ask him if you just got anything in this general vicinity, I want you to let me know, and he did. What a what a joy it is to be able to have him today. He blessed us this morning. Yes. Can't wait to hear what God's got to say tonight. Come on, Brother Stephen. Let's let him know again how much we appreciate him. Amen. He's good to us tonight, and uh, it has been a joy to be with you, and uh, I know the Lord wants to talk to us in this house tonight. Amen. And he has something, amen, he has something he always wants to say to us. I believe that, not, not casually or passing, but I believe he wants to touch our lives. Amen. Amen. Praise God. We're going to be in 1 Timothy tonight. As you turn in there, let me say again, thank you, Pastor, uh, for having us. It's just been a, um, you know, great honor uh, to be able to fill this pulpit and to be able to preach with uh, uh, here behind this sacred desk. And so uh, we, we don't take it lightly, and I, I sure thank you. And uh, we just give honor to him. His family, I know, his wife, I, I, uh, well, she's working. I've seen her earlier today buzzing around, going to get groceries for camp meeting and Helping do this, you know, we pastored for uh, 12 years, and, and um, you know, whenever uh, it's a small church, of course, you know how this is. It just seems like a lot of it falls on the same, you know, folks, amen, praise God. And it seemed like the pastor's wife is just this folks, amen, <laughs> hallelujah. But uh, I seen her, she's doing a lot, of, a lot of work, and we just appreciate everything you're doing, church. You're putting in the camp meeting, it's going to be worth it, amen, you're investing in people, Investing in the kingdom of God. And, uh, you know, what, what God has to say from his word is vitally important to us. Amen. Amen. First Timothy tonight, chapter number one, to stand for the reading of the word of God as you stand and pray. Amen for this message. Father, we love you right now. We thank you, Lord, for the touch of God, the presence of the Lord, the testimonies that we feel. Uh, I've heard and, and the presence of God that we feel in this place here tonight. We're asking you, Lord, that the touch of God would move. We're asking you right now, Lord, that the hand of the Lord would rest mightily upon us. We're just believing you, Lord, right now, God, that you'd speak plainly out of your word. God, that you'd stir our hearts, Lord, to hear what the Spirit of God is trying to say to us in these last hours, these closing hours of, 
uh, of this dispensation, Lord, as you're making things, uh, final preparations, God. Hallelujah for you to come back and, and for you to appear, uh, uh, reveal yourself to your church, Lord, and then come again, God. We thank you, Lord, that you're doing that work. We thank you, Lord, that you want to speak in this hour. Help us to be ready for the coming of the Lord. We give you praise and glory. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. Pardon my voice. I just, you know, in the South, y'all, y'all, we know we've got these <clears throat> six degrees below zero, 85 degree, you know, uh, temperature changes. Amen. And you know, I don't know if you ever get used to it, but uh, that's what's happened. So just pray for me. Amen. I believe I can hold out one more message. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. The 18th verse. Amen. Amen. In 1 Timothy chapter number one, the Bible said this charge, I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them might war a good warfare. Come on here. Amen. Holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away, some having Rejected, some have thrust from them, some having uh, pushed away. Amen. One renders it uh, having put away. Oh my. Concerning faith have made shipwreck. Amen. Of whom is Hymenius and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. He names the two individuals that engaged in this activity that he describes as having made their faith shipwreck. Amen. I just want to preach to you tonight for a few minutes and with the Lord's help, it's a simple thought, nothing profound that you probably can't pick up on. I believe that's how it should be. That's just the way I am. But uh, I just want to preach to you tonight. Don't shipwreck your faith. Amen. Hallelujah right. right. to God. You may be seated in the house of the Lord here tonight. Amen. Don't shipwreck your faith. Hallelujah. Amen. Those that stood and testified, amen, of the goodness of God and what he's done in their life and how he's moved, amen, they are stirring your faith by way of testimony. You hear that testimony of what God has done stirs your faith, amen, to believe and to continue to move on. Amen. When you hear the word of God preached, amen, the gospel of your salvation, it stirs your faith, amen. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. We understand this why it's vitally important that we sit under the preaching, that we hear the word of God, all these different things. We understand that. Pastor gave mention, amen, of individuals that walked away from the ministry, their marriages or whatever, amen. Other situations, praise God, that have arised. And what happens is people make decisions, folks, Amen. And what happens is, is when they make that decision, it affects their faith. Amen. Some people say, well, you know, I just can't take it anymore. Friend, you better listen to me. Yeah. It can affect how you believe. Wow. It'll affect how you believe. It'll affect the pathway that you're on. Oh, my God. Yeah. Some haven't made shipwreck. That's what he's talking about. Amen. And abandoning a call, abandoning a spouse, abandoning that situation. Amen. Children, family, whatever. Amen to God. Whatever it is, it's a shipwrecked faith that we must avoid at all costs. I don't know about you tonight. When we see the culture around us, amen, many 
people want to uh, sound the alarm, and we should sound the alarm, friend. Amen. About what's happening in our world and what's happening in the nation and so forth. Amen. Nothing wrong with that, folks. Amen. But you hear me? Tonight, that boat, that ship, I'm, I'm not really a boatman. You folks are down here by the coast. You know more about this than I do. Amen. But I do know this. As long as there's no water in that boat, I'm good to go. As long as somebody didn't forget to put the plug in. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I, man, I, I tried to part. Listen, I took my, my son out on a friend's pontoon boat. He was working on this place, we were having to do some vegetation control on this particular lake. It was probably 10 or 12 hours. I've never drove a boat in my life. Amen. Uh, the man I was working with, he said, take this big pond, take my boat. This man is a 24-foot. It might as well have been 242-foot. <laughs> Amen. Take my pontoon boat. He said, go out there and y'all put that tank on there and y'all spray. Well, it's not so bad getting off there. It's pretty rough getting it back on. That trailer. Amen. I never drove no boat. It took me twenty. It took me longer to try to get the thing on the trailer than it did to do what I out there to do. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm not a. I'm not a marine specialist or I'm not a mariner. I'm not a boatman. Amen. But I do understand what Paul is talking about here when he draws the analogy that describes the faith of Hymenaeus and Alexander, the faith that they obviously once had. I don't care. You tell me. Tell me all you want, John Calvin about being predestined to be in, but that predestination's corporate. It's not individual. And that corporate predestination says there's going to be a people in heaven that are blood-washed, blood-bought. There's going to be a people there. And you make up your mind if you want to be a part of that group, you can be there. But if you refuse that faith, you're going to be shipwrecked. Well, I'm just going to tell you right now, Paul uses the analogy, amen, of a shipwreck. Paul uses the analogy to describe what had happened to these two individuals. He uses this, amen. He tells them, listen, you need faith in a good conscience. Amen, not a conscience where you've done something that's against God, but a good conscience. Oh, how that's important. Faith works when there's a good conscience back in it, amen. How all that, that's what we work, that's what we strive. Amen, not, not striving to get in this thing, but it's a warfare to stay in. Amen to God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Amen, not just striving to get in. Amen, but striving, amen, to be on that straight path. Amen, so we look at it today, and he describes what happened as a shipwrecked faith. Amen, you know, I, I, I know this tonight. We, we come through the Mobile Bay here, come across that water. You don't see ships like that very often, so it looks, it's amazing, you know, when you see it. Wow, look at that. You don't see that. You don't realize how big that ship is. I, I know one thing, that a ship that's sinking, a ship that's taking on water, as long as what's outside that boat stays outside, you're good. Yeah. Amen. But a sinking ship looks the same for a while. Yeah. Did you hear what I said? I said a ship that's taking on too much water. Amen. That bilge pump kicks on. Come on. You ought to pay attention. If I'm on a boat and that, that bilge pump kicks on, I'm, I'm wanting to know why are we shooting water out of this boat. Amen. Praise God. What's happening? Amen. When that bilge pump of Holy Ghost conviction starts trying to pump death out of your life, amen, starts trying, amen, it ought to sound an alarm. Amen. Our soul. Amen. When the bilge pump or prayer 
Amen to God. I'm going to tell you for a time, a sinking ship looks the same. But after a while, amen, what's on the outside, amen, of that ship that that ship's got victory over, amen, for a time, is trying to make it a part of it. That's what this world's doing to us, church. It's always Satan's working constantly to try to make you a part, amen, of what he brought you out of. To try to make me a part of what he brought me out of. My God, if I let the Lord, amen, deal with my heart, I'll continue to walk with him. I won't have to worry about a shipwrecked faith. I begin to think about this, this idea of a shipwrecked faith. And if I've got some time to preach tonight for a few minutes, amen to God. I want to go down that path and I want to, if I have a little bit of time, to just take probably one of the most infamous and famous shipwrecks that we can think of what we would consider modern day, uh, in a modern day context, amen, though it's over a hundred years removed from us, but I want to take the, the idea tonight of the Titanic. Come on. You see, the Titanic had all kinds of people on board. Yeah. Amen. Oh, yes, all kinds of over 2,000 people aboard that ship that fateful night in April. Amen. In the April, way in the, amen, way in the late night, the more early morning hours on that cold Atlantic night, no wind blowing. It's just as still as it can be, the water like glass. Amen. That 55,000 ton ship moving through that water at, 50, at 25 knots. Amen. Amen. It's moving a pretty good clip for such a big ship. 850 plus feet long. It's massive, friend. Amen. Hallelujah. It goes through. There's all kind of people. Amen. There, there's a, and I look at this shipwreck and I realize, hallelujah, amen, that there's a microcosm, if you will, of people on board, people of faith, preachers. Amen. There's a, amen. There's businessmen. There's a, hey, people of wealth, people of low class, people of high class. Oh, yes. Amen. There's all kind of people right. on board the ship. Amen. That's going to go to the bottom of the ocean. Hallelujah, in just a few short hours. Oh, my God, friend, I want you to know, do I have time to preach this tonight? I want to let you know, don't shipwreck your faith, church. Amen. When I look at some of the people that had part in, amen, it wasn't just one thing, but it was several things all happened to come together that brought about the catastrophe. Amen. You could use this as an analogy for faith, for a church, for a family, for an individual. Amen. For a nation. Oh, God, church, hear me. Amen. You look at it today. Amen. And the first person we come across, amen, in this idea of don't shipwreck your faith, we come across the captain of the Titanic. When it left the port, amen, of the United Kingdom, the captain was interviewed by a, a newspaper. And they asked him, amen, what, what was the state of the ship? Was it seaworthy? And he said, sir, not even God could sink this ship. Oh, yes. Not even God. Is it seaworthy, old friend? Not even God can sink this ship. First, I want you to know, friend, your faith is in trouble. Amen. If you don't get pride under control. Oh, yes, sir. How bulletproof that ministry is. How, how wonderful that talent is. How wonderful that ability is. Amen. How, how big the 401k is. How, how much you got it all together, friend. It don't matter all the ins and outs of life. Amen to God. You see, this man's pride led him to a place. The captain, his pride led him to a place 
where the knife that had struck that iceberg, instead of being at the sea, if he'd have been at the helm, and he'd have got the 23-second warning from the crow's nest. Amen. Iceberg ahead gave him 23 seconds or so, give or take. Wasn't enough. It wasn't enough to stop what was going to happen. But he being in this place where he should have been would have known what to do instead of the first officer. No, but pride led him to the banquet hall. He's feasting when he should have been keeping his eyes attention on what he's been called to do. Come on, church. I'm afraid that when the church gets their eyes on everything else around them, we lose sight of what we've really been called to do. And we're going to mess around and shipwreck our faith. Oh, God, church, hear me tonight. I'm not getting on to nobody. I'm just trying to help us tonight. Help me. Amen. That you know tonight. Amen. You've got a job to do in the body of Christ. You've got a place you're called to be. Yeah. And if you're not manning your post, my God, somebody could pay a price. Amen. That's right. This man's in the dining hall. Oh, friend. The strike of the iceberg was so light that first class barely felt it. Those in the ballroom didn't really even understand why the captain jumped up so abruptly when he got the message, we've struck an iceberg. Only those in second class and below the waterline, the third class passengers, really felt it. Oh, preacher. 6,000 plus years ago, humanity struck an iceberg of sin and disobedience to God. And we've barely felt the repercussions of it. Is it really that big a deal? Oh, friend, it's a big deal. Right. Oh, yes, sir, it's a big deal, neighbor. Can you hear what I'm telling you? It's a big deal tonight. Amen. When we look at what's happening, some people say it doesn't seem like it's affected us. Oh, it's affected us. The blows seem to be so glancing, so slight. Amen. It's really no big deal. Oh, friend, it is a big deal. Yeah. Hallelujah to God. The captain was not where he should have been. He had a man. Amen. At the helm. Listen to me. What about the first officer? Many people in the church today, people of faith. Amen. They might be like the captain, not where they're supposed to be, out busy doing something else than what God has called them to have their attention. Come on here, but what about the first officer? He's in charge, and he's making poor decisions under pressure. The first officer, if he'd have known that vessel, he'd have done the right thing when he got the, the iceberg warning. He got the warning, and then he knew how, by how much time, roughly, See, the first officer didn't know the vessel. See, our problem with the church, our problem is we don't know the vessel like we should. We're not as acquainted with the things of God. Amen. That first officer, listen to me. Amen to God. If that ship was designed to strike up iceberg head on, it could lose two compartments, two bulkheads, and remain afloat. It was designed to strike one head on if he wouldn't have tried to steer out of the way. Oh, what was his problem? He thought, well, if I can just avoid it. Oh, that's a lot of folks' problem. Every time something pops up in their nature, they're trying to avoid it. Every time something comes up around them. They want to avoid the problem. They never deal with nothing folks. Are you hearing me tonight? Amen. They're always trying to get around it instead of dealing with what's out in front of them. And my God, it causes a worse situation. Can you hear me preaching? Oh God. I'm going to tell you something. This new creature, this life in Christ, it can take a lot more abuse. It can take a head-on collision folks. Oh yes sir. 
Hallelujah. We need, I've seen folks in the church and amen realize something's out ahead of their children. Amen. Instead of trying to deal with it head on, they're always trying to get the blame off of little Johnny. Always trying to steer around. Come on, I, I'm preaching with Johnny saying that. Always trying to steer around and get around and they end up, amen, sinking the family, sinking the ship. They end up sinking their life and their faith. Amen. Because they just won't deal with anything. The first officer also made, amen, amen, another uninformed decision. He thought that if he, he thought that if he closed off the doors, the escape routes to second and third class, it would keep the water out of the boat long enough for him to get to port. They're out in the middle of the Atlantic, friend. Ain't no way they're making it to New York. No way. They're out in the middle of that Atlantic, friend. They take on enough. There's no way they can make it. He hits, a, he hits a button on his console. Electric motors shut the escape hatches to second and third class. They can, get, they can no longer get above the waterline. He made the decision. These folks are expendable. I'm afraid, church, we do that a lot in church. Well, the church ain't going to grow if we do this, so we hit the... My God. Well, the church, well, you know what? If we do this, it might cause this. So we have folks in the church, they hit the button. We don't want them kind of folks here. We want that. No, we don't want that. We want this one here. We're looking for that. There's only certain, we feel like in our minds, there's only certain people that, amen, can really escape what's coming. Amen to God. So we avoid, amen, sharing the gospel at Walmart. Amen with a man or woman that doesn't look like a church folk. We're always fishing for church folk. And I'm telling you right now, and we shut the escape hatch off for those that are really know what's going on. I can tell you, friend, that man that's addicted, amen, he knows what's going on more than what we give him credit for. I know there's folk out there in that darkness party they don't care. I understand that, folk. Amen, but I do believe people can sense something's about to happen. I do believe people can understand. My God, they're looking for hope and we've got to keep the door open. Yeah, well, you know, Church folk don't want to come to church on Sunday night no more, so I guess we'll close the doors. I've heard story after story from preachers. I heard one just the other day, and I can't remember the, the details of it, but a, a young woman in that community was backsliding away from God for years. Amen. She decided to get right with God, and she'd come to church. on The church she got saved in as a child went there on a Sunday night, and the doors weren't open. She showed she knew what time the church was. They always had church at 6 o'clock growing up. Come on, church. I know we're here on a Sunday night. I'm not fussing. I'm just letting you know keep the doors open. Yes, sir. Yes. <clears throat> Don't hit the button. Yes. Folk, our escape route. Amen. Not just doesn't include good church folk. Our escape route and these lifeboats will hold the sick, the maimed, the halt, the addicted, the broken. These lifeboats will hold everybody on board, my God. Yes. Yes. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Oh, hallelujah, the first officer. Amen. Avoiding problems. Oh, really thinking, oh, if I just shut these off, they're not going to get out anyways. Oh, church, what about the watchman in the crow's nest tonight? A lot of folk in the church, we've got to, we, 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 we're dealing with shipwrecked faiths and ship, shipwrecked lives and shipwrecked this and all. It's a catastrophe. 
on a, on a smaller scale, but when we look at it, really and truly, there's a man on board called the Watchman. He, hey man, he's in the crow's nest. He's in a, he's in an elevated position. And this man is tasked with looking at the ocean at night on his watch. He's supposed to be looking for icebergs, and that's exactly what this man was doing. Hey man, this man was looking for icebergs. He was doing his job, but Officer Blair, his wife was pregnant and went into a, 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 an emergency uh, delivery there in the United Kingdom when the boat left. He had to have relief. He relieved and, and got off ship. He left, he left the ship with the key to the lockbox where the binoculars were in his pocket. He went home and he had the key. And the young man that took his place in the night watch didn't have binoculars because he was too ashamed to ring the bridge and say, can I have a key to the lockbox? He didn't want, he didn't have, want to have to deal with the captain. He didn't have to track nobody down. What if they asked him, where is it at? How could you lose it? How did you get on what? He didn't want to deal with the repercussions. Jesus said, behold, I give unto you the keys of the kingdom. My God, church, we can bind, we can lose. Amen. You say, well, how that's good, folks. Listen to me today. I want you to know right now, hallelujah to God, that God wants to give us the keys back. Amen. You say, generation got out of here. Hell can't meet in generation. The tent revival generation. We buried him in the grave with the keys in their pocket. They left this planet mama. We don't know how. Oh friend, I want you to know if we'll ring the royal telephone. If we'll get a hold of the captain. If we'll call on his name. Amen. He knows. Amen. How to get in the lockbox. We've got to be able to see again. We've got to be, we're tasked with being able to see what other folks can't see. Those that were in the dining halls, it was not their job to be looking for icebergs. It was that watchman. Church, I'm going to tell you, the lost man is out there doing what lost men do, but it's the church's responsibility. We're the ones that's supposed to be able to see. We need the keys again. I said we need the keys again. Uh, we need to get where are the keys at. They're in the pocket of the one that got up off the altar and left that prayer life. They're in the pocket of the one that went out and emerged. They're in the pocket of that one that we put in the grave years ago that prayed revival down for their generation. They're in the pocket of this one, and they're in the pocket of that one. And I want you to know we feel like if we don't have those personalities or we don't have those people left in our lives, that the key, it's gone. It's, they will never see it again. That's not true. Amen. Because they asked this man, they said, didn't you know there were spare keys on the bridge? I didn't. I didn't want to ask him. He could have tripled. He could have tripled his warning time. He could have tripled it, folks. Over 60 seconds, over one minute. They could have, they could have, he could have saved all oh, if he just had the ability to see. But didn't want to ask for the key. Church, we're ashamed to ask at these altars for the keys to the key. Well, we admit defeat somebody, may all oh, friend. That's for this younger generation. That's for the older. That's a, friend, it don't matter. It don't matter who's got the key and what happened. We've got to get the key back because we've got to be able to see. I'm telling you, friend, communism's coming into this nation and somebody's got to be able to see. I'm preaching right now. You hear what I'm telling you? Amen. Communist China and the people that run our social media platforms. Amen. Oh, yes, sir. I'm telling you right now. Hey, they are not the friend of liberty. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? I'm telling you right now. If they'll kill a baby in 
We got to get the key, church. We got to get the key. Oh, Officer Blair said, how long? He said, I gave him 23, about 23 seconds notice. He was doing his job, but he was impaired. Church, we sing, we preach. I, feel, I believe we're trying. There's, there are those in our ranks. We're trying to do our job, but we could be so much more effective if we could see into the night, into the night. Amen. You know, officer, this particular watchman said this, and this statement is shocking to me. He said, if there'd have been a little bit of wave, he said, if there'd even been a storm, I could have probably doubled the warnings. I could have doubled my warning time. He said, because if there'd have been a little bit of wave, a little bit of wind, if there'd have even been a storm, it would have outlined, I would have seen the outline of it further away. We spend all of our time, church. God, give me peace. God, give me calm storms. God, give me calm waters. Keep the storms away from me, in other words. Amen. We don't feel like, amen, that our lives can do much with stormy seas. Amen. The <clears throat> we, don't, we don't want the trials and the testings. We don't want the things that press on our faith because those are hard. But I'm going to tell you something. Those are the times when you can see the best. And there's storms out on that water. Those are times when you can see the best friend. Amen. Don't discount God. If there's some wind or some storms in your life, friend, he's trying to give you the ability to see. Oh, God. Listen to me today. The watchman. Amen. There was another man on board. Hallelujah to God. He's the radio operator. <coughs> Excuse me. Two of them, matter of fact, on that boat, <coughs> taking 12-hour shifts. The one that was on this, that was on watch that night as the radio operator. He's got to communicate with all the ships around him, both mainlands that they're left and going to, but he also has the ability, by permission of the captain, for a few extra shillings or pounds or whatever in his little British pocket. He had the ability to get a little bit of coinage if he sent personal messages, personal Morse code messages to the New York out ahead of them so that family members know they're coming. Also, he's got a stack on his desk. And the other radio man was busy on his watch communicating, doing the things. But this one, hey, man, he's, he's trying to move up the corporate ladder. This one's distracted. Hey, with a little bit more jingle in his pocket. Oh, God, you say, is anything wrong with that? No, I, I like to have a little jingle in my pocket, too. Come on, somebody. Hey, Amen, but I, you and I cannot let it distract our faith. Right. You and I cannot let it distract what we're called to do and be for this right. world. We're, 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 listen, that radio man, he, his ear could hear what nobody else could. He was trained to decipher Morse code, read it quickly, write it down, and then put another message back out. Very quickly, this man was able, amen, to communicate, praise God, communicate when nobody else could communicate. This man could talk and deal with people when nobody else could. The radio man, he got a stack of personal messages on his desk, and he's sending personal messages back to mom back on in Liverpool and making it all right, you know, kind of, Radio wave selfies, if you will. <clears throat> Every few minutes, 
somebody new off the boat coming in. Oh, could you send this to my sister? Oh, send this one to my mom. Send this one to my dad. All back and forth. And he's making a little extra tip money here and a little extra tip money there. And there's an entire stack of iceberg warnings on his desk that he's, re he's failing to relay the information to the bridge. He had on his desk the iceberg warning of the very bird they struck sat on his desk for three hours. It took that ship three hours to sink. Oh, God, if he could, was uh, church, if we would just not be distracted and if we could hear what the Spirit was saying. Oh, my God, somebody, if we, you say, preacher, oh, I think it's time we get tuned back into heaven's frequency. I think it's time we tune back into that old prayer life again. There's value in that. I know we've been told it was legalism, and we've been told all kinds of things, but my God, church, there's nothing like a people that can hear what heaven's got to say. I believe God's been trying to warn us for years. I believe God, listen, there was some men that saw what's coming, the financial calamities, Years ago, David Wilkerson. Years ago, back in the day, saw many, much of this. Brother Clinton, different, different ones. God has showed our generation. We heard radio men that were doing their job. And now it's our turn to let a generation know that there's iceberg, there's ice ahead, church. Oh, God, church. Oh, but my God, somebody's distracted tonight. Oh, I feel him in the house here tonight. Somebody's distracted. Oh, I just want to let you know tonight that we can be a people that's not distracted. Yeah. Amen. Let me cover two more people and I'll be through. What about the boatmen? Those deckhands that were charged with, with loading the lifeboats. <clears throat> You'll find it interesting that when the man that was financing the Titanic and her sister ship, when he came to look at the models that were, that were built in the office of the White Star Lines that were going to pay and finance for them to be built. They built big mock-ups in the office. And the man that was fronting, one of the men that was fronting all the money, he walked in and he gathered up all the lifeboats off the little model and he put them in his hand and he dropped them on the desk right in front. Right in front of the shipbuilders and all the people and the engineers tasked with doing it. And he said, folks, let me tell you something. Nobody's going to pay to look at these lifeboats. Maybe not. But when the ship's sinking, everybody wants one. Oh, yes, sir. They put 16 lifeboats and I believe four inflatables on that ship. Each one of those lifeboats would have held 70 plus people. The boatmen, because they didn't believe it was sinking. The boatmen, because they did not. Oh, it's a conspiracy theory. Oh, my God. The right wing. They're so dramatic. They're so this. None of this is really happening. citizens, amen, of that ship. They were still parting it down, folks. They begin to spit booze on the boatmen and blow cigarette smoke in their face and laugh and mock at them. And then they said, all women and children of the lifeboat, you know, some dead, it's kind of like a six-foot icicle in a pulpit trying to tell the church to wake up. Ain't had a prayer life in years. Amen to God. Hallelujah. That sermon's like watching paint dry. My 
my God, church. Hallelujah. The boatman just began to ring the bell. And they said, what you ringing the bell for? And they said, the ship is sinking. The ship is sinking. And how they laughed, spit whiskey on them, blow smoke in their face. They let three of the 16 lifeboats and one of the inflatables get away from that ship with less than six people on each one of them. They could hold 70. In just an hour and a half, they'll be screaming in the water. They're going to die of life jackets on, folks, because of hypothermia. One of the inflatables was found, and it was, this was April, one of the inflatables was found in May up in the northern Atlantic by, by Greenland. One of the inflatables was found up there. Two to three months later, with, with, the, with those that managed to get on board and they were dead from starvation. See, church, I'm afraid we've got the right doctrine, we've got the right everything, but some of us are going to die in the lifeboat. Some of us are going to die in the lifeboat. Their stomachs were full of the cork, full of the cork that they'd ate out of their life jackets, trying to stay alive. My God, the church... Oh, we're called to go higher than this, friend. We can load these lifeboats. I'm telling you, uh, God's given us a voice in this hour. You say, preacher, what was the remedy for this terrible situation? We don't feel very encouraged. Just don't feel like you're kicking camp meeting off. It feels like you're kicking it over. Uh, I'm not done right now. I'm going to tell you because there was a man of faith on board. There was a preacher on board that didn't lose his faith. There was a man on board, amen, that was going to try out the Moody Bible Church. The Baptist church. And I'm going to tell you, friend, amen, he's had to be as close to John as you can get. Had the one good Baptist that we know of in the Bible. Come on, somebody. I'm not knocking Baptists. Amen. But this man had to be a John Harper was his name. Had to be a good one. His wife was dead. He's a widower. And he's got his two small children with him. He could have easily gotten on because he's the primary caregiver for those girls. He could have gone on a lifeboat. He could have took the, the, the cheap way out. Oh, no, sir. He didn't do it. He turned to one of the crewmen and said, I know now why. I'm, I know now why God has put me on this boat. He said, my destiny is to affect people's eternities right here. He said, this is my last place to preach. Amen. John Harper Amen. Begins to push aside the old lifeless boatman. Amen. He stands on top of the benches, grabs up a whole life, a whole armload of life jackets. And while they're trying to spit booze and blow cigarette smoke on the boatman, he just hits the whole crowd with a pile of life vests and begin to preach the gospel. He began to tell them, you folks are about to be in eternity. This boat is sinking. Amen. He preached for about 10 minutes. And while he's preaching, the whole boat began to creak and list. Amen. It turned a little bit. And all by, he had their attention then. He began to preach. And the boatmen, folks, ran to the lifeboats. Oh, my God. They're piling the lifeboats. He's preaching and throwing life jackets to everybody that'll hear Oh, folks are coming up to him before their bodies get in that 30-something degree water. They're saying, preacher, pray for me. I'm not right with God. They're scared, folks. It's dark. It's cold out there on that black Atlantic. There ain't a light nowhere. It's cold. And eternity's a few feet away. And there's a man in the water with a message. He's the only hope. Thank God, church. I want to wake you up tonight to tell you, amen, the people around 
eternity and you're their only hope. My God, somebody. You're their only hope. Oh, glory to God. You see, folks, we don't have to be this generation's boatman. We don't have to be this generation's radio operator. We don't have to be this generation's watchman or captain or first mate. We can be this generation's John Harper. God, I'm going to tell you, this ship of America is sinking, folks. Say whatever you want to. It's going down, friend. Oh, yeah. I don't mean that to be ugly. I'm as patriotic as 10 men. Come from a military family. I'm telling you right now, I'm as patriotic as anybody out there. But I'm telling you something. Hey, man, I want to stand on something and warn a nation. Amen, because this thing's sinking, and I'm astounded at how asleep people are. I'm astounded at the church. Amen, Israel's raising it. Israel's got a fundraiser for the temple and a breeding program for the red heifer. They're this close to reinstating Old Testament worship. What does it have to do with us? Amen, the Antichrist is going to stand in the temple and declare himself to be God, and it's going to happen probably in our generation. And we can't get to church on a Sunday night. Come on. Come on, somebody. We're, we're worried about people thinking we're fanatics. Nobody, you see, listen to me, church. Environment always dictate, dictates expectation. You get, the right, you get the right environment, and if you can understand an environment, it always speaks to you of, of expectation. Nobody looked at John Harper and said, man, hey, preacher, you're a flat lunatic. You have lost your mind. No, because the environment was backing up. Amen, what he was saying. And they were expecting, now they expected him to do what he was doing. They wanted his message. Church, I'm telling you, amen, they may not want our lifeboats now. Amen, but they will soon. I'm telling you right now. on or now in the cold waters. If they don't get out of that water, they're going to die floating. Oh, my God. Uh, hypothermia sitting in. They got about 15 minutes screaming, huddled masses, cries for help. I'm not ready. I don't want to die. Uh, the preacher, a man gathers up floating objects and life jackets that people dropped and seat cushions and he pushes them over in the darkness to a huddled mass and he preached Christ to them. Oh my God, somebody. And he told them about the love of God and he told them about how they could be saved and he told them about how God would work with amen in their life. Even now they could call on him and he would save them. He began to see people saved out from the water. Amen. Shrieks of terror were replaced by amazing grace. Shrieks of terror, amen, were replaced by just as I am. Oh, I come to thee, my God. Oh, out of the black stormy cold night where it looked like the devil was going to snuff out hundreds and hundreds into eternity. There was a man, amen, there being the church and he was effective. There was a man that didn't have a shipwrecked faith. And when the world needed him, he could still do what God called him to do. Amen. Church, hear me today. If we shipwreck our faith in this hour, 
our testimony, we will be this generation's boatman. If we shipwreck our faith, we're going to be this generation's radio operators. They'll look back, tribulation saints, whoever, I don't believe it's going to be, I was going to believe tribulation saints are going to be those that didn't miss the rapture. They're going to be those that heard the preaching adequately of the two witnesses. Uh, that's just, you know, yeah. I'm, not, I'm talking about people that didn't have, I'm not, sorry. Yeah. I'm not talking about people that missed the rapture. I'm talking about people, amen, that didn't hear, have adequate witness. God's going to have them two witnesses preaching. Every how you believe, glory to God, don't hurt my salvation, glory to God. Amen. amen. I'm just letting you know, those folks are going to be looking for a precedent. And somewhere sitting on the desk of the church is going to be iceberg warning at the bottom of our troubles, at the bottom of our at the bottom of our breakups and our broken families and our broken homes and our split churches and our busted this and our failed that. They're going to look back and say, "Why? Where was we needed a John Harper?" Oh, church, God, I know this is a little heavy message tonight, and I apologize, but listen to me. Uh, listen to me tonight. We've got a choice. Can we be this generation's John Harper? Because if we won't, we'll be their money changers. Oh, yeah, Jesus drove the religious and the money changers out of a place of true worship, out of the place where God was going to meet with people, out of the place that he had designed to meet with them for the blood to be poured out. He drove them out of there. Oh, God. Folks, we're either going to be the worshipers or we're going to be the money changers. We got to make up our mind which. Yeah. Somebody said, well, you know, I'm not out doing this or that. No, friend, I'm afraid it's not what we're doing as much as what we're not doing. Oh, God, church. I know I'm not, I'm not hurting grace. I'm not touching that, folks. I'm not hurting, but God, dear God, church, something's got to wake us up. Something's got to wake us up. Our nation, amen, is getting ready to make the dollar into a cryptocurrency. They, they done put it in the bill, folks. Do you know what that is? That means they'll be able to control everything, every facet of your life. Amen. Paperless, cashless. Oh, yes, sir, friend. It's already been introduced in Washington. They've got a hit in a port bill right now. When they pass that thing, friend, the dollar becomes crypto. The, the yen's going to become crypto. All of this, friend, amen, it's just entering into a system. Amen. That the antichrist. Oh, church, are you hearing me? Friend, this thing, people say, well, there ain't nothing we can do about it. I'm not asking you to stop it. I'm saying we can be a John Harper. I'm not saying we can make the sheep the sink, the ship not sink. What I'm saying is while it's going down, let them hear a voice that's pointing men to Calvary. That's it. Yes. Oh, God, church. The Great Commission and the greatest, oh, the Great Commission and the great opportunity of the Great Commission is about, has it, been put in the lap of this generation's church. The Great Opportunity of the Great Commission. You've got such a powerful testimony, friend, that you're actually saved by that testimony and the blood of the Lamb. Can you hear me tonight? Woo. Musicians, can you come tonight for a few moments? Woo. Glory to God. Ah, goodness, church. Help us, God. Help us, God. I'm going to tell you, I feel him in the house already, church. I feel him in the house, all oh, the cold grip of eternity. 
How are we, we going to load the lifeboats, preacher said? We don't have the skill, friend. I'm going to tell you, God will give us a voice to our generation. We can load the lifeboats. What about it, church? Are we going to load the lifeboats or are we going to push another one off the bank of the church with just a handful of people in it? We're going to offer to God. Are we really going to try to offer, amen, to the great spotless lamb of Calvary, the sinless spotless lamb that rose and died and rose again? Are we going to offer him, amen, just our handful with a, with a boatload of excuses? Amen. Are we going to give him what he died for? Amen. A church is without spot or wrinkle. Oh, my God, saints. I'm telling you, amen, God, amen. He's worthy tonight amen. of our amen. living sacrifice to him. Me to give myself, spin up for his glory. Oh, that the truths of the word of God would grip us again. Oh, that the truths of the Word of God would not put us to sleep any longer, but they'd stir our souls. I preached in Honduras several years ago on a mission trip, and the service started late. The pastor said, told me through the interpreter, he said, Brother, don't worry, they're coming. I mean, it's raining, folks. I'm talking about monsoon raining. It's raining school buses. You hear what I'm saying? It is raining, folks. It's raining. Did it, just did it for a long time, and I thought, wow. You know, in my American mind, I'm thinking, this is bad. <laughs> he said, oh, no, they're coming. He said, the rain's got them held up. And I'm thinking, they're, they're, they're stuck in the ditch. I'm thinking, you know, they lost the four-wheel drive. I'm thinking they had a blowout. No, no, no. It's mamas with four, five, six kids and a rain jacket pulled over those children like this. And they're walking through the rain. They left that afternoon. They walked for hours to get there. They have church with us and then walk hours to get back home in the dark with those babies in the pouring down rain. I tell you, church, they will be our judges on the day of judgment. Oh, yes, sir. That church of those nations, if we don't load these lifeboats, folk, my God, somebody else is going. My God, church, I'm telling you right now, I don't want to shipwreck the faith. Because I don't load the lifeboats. Because I can't convince men that it's real. We've tried tricks and ploys to try to get folks in the lifeboat. We'll paint the lifeboat something else, friend. I'll leave it like it is. It will be appealing when death is right there close. Oh, my God, a church that won't change, a preacher that'll still preach, a people that still praise and believes, they'll be effective when death and eternity's right there because that's the people. Amen. They don't want somebody that's changing every 10 minutes. They want somebody that's the same through it all. Hallelujah to God. Stand to your feet all over this house. Amen to God. Don't shipwreck your faith, saints. Amen. Maybe you're here tonight and you're just not very acquainted with the things of God, the church. You're like the first officer. You didn't know how tough this new creature was. Maybe there's a preacher watching somewhere and we're constantly trying to shield our congregations from bad things and this and that. Playing musical chairs and what have you. When we need to just deal with what's out there. Maybe, maybe you're here tonight and you're like that captain. You're saying, I'm just not where I'm supposed to be. So this is a Sunday night. I know what it is. It's the faithful crowd. I'm not saying nothing of that, folks. I'm just trying to let the Holy Ghost talk to us for a moment.
What if I'm the watchman? Do you have the keys tonight? Can we see in the dark like we used to? I believe there was a preacher not far from here. Brother Andy probably knows him. I, I'm, not, I'm confident that he does. He's an older thing. He's going to be with the Lord now. His wife's his wife, he can see in the dark, you see. His wife catches him up early in the morning one morning and said, Where are you going? He's dressed in a suit. He said, The Holy Ghost woke me up early this morning. He said, I'm just gonna have to go to the hospital. So and so's gonna hurt himself and I gotta be ready to go. Sure enough, phone rang, Brother Wright, I think his name was. Phone rang, whatever. Sure enough. What happened? How did he know that the Holy Ghost? Amen. See, that man had the key. Amen. Church, we can keep playing games and we can get the key back. We can keep playing games or we can, we can go on and be distracted by a little extra in our pocket. Or we can warn somebody that, the, that there's, storm, there's, there's danger ahead. Oh, the boatmen, oh, church to be a John Harper for this generation. My God, my God could you lift your hands all over this house? Hallelujah, God. I knew you said, preacher, it's camp meeting. I know it's camp meeting. But I'm going to tell you something. We're God's church and God says, I need a John Harper in this generation. I'm fixing to get just due on a world that has rejected my son. I'm about to change the page. Oh, my God, saints, in the face of crisis and calamity, oh, let the voice of that John Harper church be heard. Can you lift your hands and begin to trans transition your mind and your heart to this altar service? Father, we love you here tonight. And we desire to draw near to you in this place. Lord, I pray that you forgive us, Lord, when we've left the warnings on our desk. Or we've been distracted by this world's gain and by this world's good, Father. Help us, Lord. Oh, forgive us for not having the key. Oh, but God, we're, we're going to ring the bridge in this house one more time. And we're going to get a hold of the captain of our salvation. And we're going to ask for another key so we can see in the darkness and warn men, God. Help us to be a voice in these last days. Because surely you're coming quickly. And we're living in a generation like those that are on the deck of that sinking ship. They don't believe us. But God, if we could just have courage and be a John Harper voice for this generation, you'll send us a harvest and we'll load these lifeboats for you. We thank you for it and give you praise. Church, if you're in this house and you have any stir or desire to come to this altar, I want to open these altars for you right now. If you're in this house and your heart is stirred in any capacity, and you'd say, I want to come find a place to pray and call on my God. I want to come and find a place to get a hold of God. I encourage you, friend. Come do that tonight. Hallelujah, because he's looking for people that'll seek his face in this hour. Oh, my God, church, don't let another lifeboat leave with just a hand.